hand, but our senior leader, Jim Baker. Hey, hey. Good morning, good morning. And it is still morning. This is, wow, we, we got plenty of time here. Also want to say uh, uh, welcome the Dormans. They uh, moved to Texas, and so they are uh, enjoying the Texas winter. We also have uh, Caleb and Daniel. Chris, Chrissy, I, I, I know you well. I can never pronounce your last name, though. Chrissy, Chrissy. Caleb and Danielle are here, so so good to see you guys. Yes. Lots of exciting things happening. Uh, a little over a week ago, we had our Normandy benefit dinner. And so um, those of you who don't know what the Normandy project is, we actually bought a building downtown right across from the state house. There's a row of windows overlooking it. We're going to have a worship room set up there. But the um, top two floors of the building are going to be for girls coming out of human trafficking. So we had a benefit dinner for that. And so... Um, we raised, uh, we raised some money. We did not raise everything that we wanted to raise. And so uh, we'll take the cloud the size of a man's fist. So we actually raised $30,000. And so we're thankful for a step forward for that. And um, not all the givings come in. I actually got a meeting with a foundation uh, coming up and stuff. And so uh, yeah, lots of things. But, hey, we got to step forward into it. We're grateful for that. We can get about a third of the asbestos out of the building. So that'll be... Uh, That'll be a good start there. So, so thankful for that. And we got some exciting news. Our children's pastors, Josh and Kate, they just had their baby this weekend. And so, um, Willow Amelia, isn't that a beautiful name? Willow Amelia Richter, so her initials are war. So you just got to have to look out for this girl here. She is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Some other exciting news. Our youth pastor got engaged, Sarah and Brian. So... So if you see Sarah walking a little heavier on the left side, it's because her hand's weighting her down. So excited for you guys. A spring wedding, right? If only you could find someone to do the wedding. No, I'm doing the wedding. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so good. So lots of good stuff. So last week we started a series on healing. And uh, we, someone was talking about revival during, hey, John and Beth, good to see you. Our missionaries from Uganda, oh, I just forget you guys are like still here. It's so good. You guys are used to coming and going. And so what's that? You went to Bethel, that's right, that's right. You, um, you went to the mothership at Bethel over there, so so good to have you back. And so um, we need to connect, man. And so um, I got lunch today, if you don't have any lunch plans. So we can just do this right here in front of everybody. <laughs> so um, my treat. And so um, someone was talking about revival, or maybe I just had the thought. I don't know. Somehow the word revival came to mind. And I was thinking about kind of the old model of revival as let's try to get a bunch of people to come to church, right? And let's have some extended services and all that good stuff. I think really the new model of revival is God's reviving the church, and we're to go and be that to other people. I don't know if you noticed, we painted a new thing over the door, give them heaven. I mean, come on. So what you guys need to uh, get a picture of is you are the coming attractions for the kingdom of God. So, you know, when you're watching the movie, you're watching the previews, you got like the fight scene and like, you know, the car chase scene and everything. And you're like, hey, I think I'm getting a sense of what this movie's about. This looks pretty exciting, right? That's what your life is. You are the coming attractions of what, is going to, what, the, what it will look like when the kingdom of God fully comes to earth. People are looking at you, and they're getting a taste and see, oh, that's what the kingdom's like. So that's what actually how it worked in the Old Testament. Israel was to be a light to the nations. They were to be in the covenant with God, and they were to be a light to the nation. The other nations were to say, oh, that's what it's like to be in covenant with the one true God. Your crops never fail. Your women never miscarry. You're, uh, you're never sick. You're, uh, God fights your battles for you and all these things. That was just the Old Covenant, gang. Can you imagine if we got up to Old Covenant-level blessings? We would change the world. The good thing is under the new covenant, you get everything under the old covenant. It just goes to a whole nother level. It goes to a super saiyan level for you Dragon Ball Z fans. 
Because uh, the blessings are not only on the outside, but they're on the inside as well. And so uh, you, you get the blessing of Abraham. God's with you in everything that you do. So I want you to get that picture of, of, of revival. See, when you are in a business, you are, put it this way. If you start a business, it's the same thing to me as planting a church. What's the Bible call you? It says you are a priest. And so if you're a priest and you're in a business, your business is holy ground. It is a church. The only difference is the message is you instead of a sermon. See, people are reading you and listening to you. They're not listening to sermon. I'm not saying like everything in the business has got to be Jesus and have Jesus culture music playing and you got to witness to them. And if somebody limps, you got to pray for them. You can do all that. But I'm talking you can actually bring the kingdom of God by the excellence of your business. You can actually let the excellence of your work be the platform for your witness. I'll just say it backwards. If you are a lousy employee, you're a lousy witness. I don't care how many Jesus t-shirts and bumper stickers you have. Uh, your, your witness is going to be squelched. But the opposite is true, though. A person of excellence will stand before kings. There's something in the heart of every king that they, just, they long for that excellence, and it's like they're, they're drawn to it. And so, anyway, that's, that's what we're about. And so... You are the coming attractions. It's interesting in the Bible that there's uh, two keys to city transformation that it talks about. One, you see a guy who stewarded money well. He had an amount of money that they called five, uh, five minas, and he doubled. He was able to invest it through uh, wisdom. He stewarded it because everything in the Bible that gets stewarded multiplies and increases. I think a lot of times we get this picture of stewarding is we're being cheap with money, and we're not wasting anything, we're not having any fun, but God's glorified by us not having any fun. But actually what happens in the Bible is everything that gets stewarded and multiplies and increases. And the guy who was able to do that, he got authority to shape the culture over 10 cities. One of the keys to city transformation is us stewarding our money well. Why do you think the enemy has spot so much? I walked into, I don't remember where I was. It was, you know, I've been doing a little bit of traveling lately. And I opened up the service like this. I think it was over in Mount Vernon. I opened up the service like this. I said, how many people in here want more money? And if you could have seen the look on their face, it was like, I kind of do, but is he going to call me selfish and greedy, and is it, is it bad to do that? Because we've been so trained in the church that it's bad to want money. Why? Because the more money you have, the more good you can do. If your well is dry, it's going to be hard to help others get their thirst quenched. The poorest way to help the poor is to be poor. And so we see in Scripture that people who actually multiply, who are able to steward their uh, money. Am I talking too fast? Are we okay here? I'm just getting excited. <laughs> I'm talking about healing and finances, two of my love languages today. <laughs> but I want you to see, though, one of the keys to city transformation was literally people who stewarded their money well. Actually, they positioned it for increase. And God's like, oh, that's the kind of person I can trust to shape the culture over cities. The other one is interesting. Jesus, he's, uh, he's just been rejected from Jerusalem. He's um, actually um, uh, Bethsaida. He's just been uh, rejected from the city of Bethsaida. I, th- I believe it's Matthew 11. And he's, he's kind of grieving. And he says, uh, woe to you, Bethsaida, if the miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. Those were two wicked cities in the Old Testament. If the miracles that I just did to you, if I did that under the Old Testament, it said they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. It's interesting. Right in the middle of rebuke, you can see he's grieved. He turns around and he just lays this truth out that wicked cities can turn on a dime when miracles are performed in the city. Guys, why do you think, what are the two doctrines that have been fought against the most in the last 30 years? Healing and finances. It's that health and wealth gospel. Listen, if the enemy can keep you sick and poor, he's going to severely limit your destiny. So he's going to try to make you feel bad. And, oh, God's given me this sickness to teach me some important lesson. Man, guys, read your Bibles. 
Okay, well, actually, we're going to today, so there's some good news. And so we uh, started a, a series on healing, and uh, how long is this ser- healing series going to go? Until there's a shift. Yeah, like, Jim, you're making me nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous too, all right? So that's why the Holy Spirit comes to be our comforter, because he's going to make us uncomfortable when we do things, all right? You know, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when they get to heaven. There's a lot of people that believe it's not always God's will to heal. They're going to be surprised when they get to heaven because there's no sickness up there. His will is being done perfectly in heaven. He is, re- he is reigning unchecked. There's no, like, demons sneaking into the kingdom and, like, spoiling the streets of gold and, like, causing havoc. And There's none of that. He is reigning unchecked up in heaven where his will is being done perfectly, and there's no sickness. There's no hospitals, no HMOs, no Obamacare. No, there's, there's no need for it. He says he's removed sickness and he's wiped away every tear. He's literally like, I don't know if he like surgically removes your tear ducts because you don't need them up there. Okay, it's just an amazing thing. And here's what we're taught to pray. On earth, you pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make up there, come down here. That's the marching orders of us. We see Jesus, it says in 1 John 3, it says he came to destroy all the works of the devil. Okay? Sickness is a work of the devil. And here's what he said. As the Father has sent me, now I send you. Guys, those are our marching orders, not to have good church services and make it like the church like a warehouse and we try to keep everybody busy so they don't have time to sin. (laughs) This is a terrorist training camp to destroy the works of the devil. We're literally equipping you. The key to reaching this city is not what happens in here. It's what happens in here that trains you to happen while out there. Guys, we couldn't fit Columbus in here. If you haven't noticed, they're not all here today. Okay? But we are, uh, we are equipping you to not just come and see, but to go and show. Okay? And that's why we got written up there, give them heaven. I just like that. I say it to my kids almost every morning as they're, as they're getting ready to go after work or school. Give them heaven today, buddy. So, all right. So last week we started a series on healing. We saw that sometimes our emotions and desires can drive faith from the heart into the mind. Like, I don't remember that. Well, I have it written down here. I must have said it at some point, or at least I must have thought it, okay? And so here's what happens is we want the healing so bad, and we're trying it, and we're, we're trying to believe so hard, and we begin to get in our head. Faith is a matter of the heart where we surrender and give up to Jesus and his goodness, not where we're trying to figure it out. The mind is a great servant. It's a terrible master. And so when we're trying to lead this thing with our mind and think it through, our thoughts should lead us to put, focus it on Jesus so that we can have the surrender of the heart. So remember last week we saw that there is a gift of faith in the Bible where the Holy Spirit comes and just gives you a gift of faith. Um, I've had it happen two different times in my life, I believe. And um, I didn't plan on sharing them, but we're here. Might as well, right? Sean did transition quickly. We got time for this. So one, did, did I share about the lady who just like she shook her head no the whole time that I shared that last week? So I'm teaching and healing at this church, and this lady's in a wheelchair in the front row. And the whole time I'm teaching, she's going, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Like, like turn around, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, like, notice. I'm like, is she, like, telling people no, like, to what I'm saying? Like, this is kind of discouraging. Like, I don't think I like this. And so, like, literally, like, like the more I passion I'd get, the more, the more she's waving her arms. And so was that a church here in Columbus? And so, not Zion. And so, um... And so I'm doing this, and so at the end, I'm praying for people, and I get to her, and she says, I don't believe a word you're saying. So I don't know what happened. I, I don't know how else to explain it, except the gift of faith came on me, and I knew, and she's sitting in the wheelchair, and I jerked her out of the wheelchair, and she gets out of the wheelchair and started walking, just like that. Yeah. Ma'am. I'll tell you what. 
I don't have faith for that. Okay, that's a gift of faith. I didn't, I didn't do anything to deserve it. If I would have thought about it too much, I would have chickened out. Um, uh, lesson learned, I tried it another time without the gift of faith. It was bad. It's embarrassing when you pull someone out and they're on the ground and you got help. I mean, it's terrible. It's embarrassing. It's like not, not a lot of fun. You're like, get me out of here, Jesus. <laughs> like, I think I'm tired. I think we need to go home for the night. It's like, how do you get out of that one? It's like, geez, Louise. And um, the other time, uh, it was one of the first major healings I saw. I was at uh, Panera Bread. This guy was um, yelling, and I was like, what's going on? And so he, he was, I was in the parking lot, and he wanted directions to this bank. And so many of you guys know this story. And so uh, I ended up driving him to the bank. He was uh, crippled. And so he was kind of walking, and he'd go inch, 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 inch. And he had just gotten off the bus stop, and the bank he wanted was a mile up the road. And so he says, thank you, sir. And he goes inch, inch. I'm like, this guy's got a mile an inch at a time. So I said, hey, let me drive you up there. So I drive him to the bank. And uh, we, this is back in, this is like 2006 or seven. Like Mary and I are seeing like no healings. And when I say no healings, um, I'm not trying to exaggerate. It was like discouraging. Like we're praying for people and we're catching their sicknesses. And like, <laughs> like this stinks, man. Like this is not supposed to be. Like they're getting sicker when we pray. I'm like, what is this? And so anyway, it's like during that time, you know, like not like a lot of breakthrough happening. And so I drive this guy to the bank, and, and so I call Mary. I'm like, Mary, I think this is, like, from the Lord. I need you to pray, like, wake the intercessors in China, you know, like, <laughs> like something's about to happen. And so uh, we, we, I, I get him in the car, and I'm driving him, and I'm going to drive him to the bus stop. And I just get this stop. I'm like, I'll just take him home. Like, how far can it be? So take him home. And so he starts telling me about this affair he's having with this lady in the bus. I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to change the subject here. And so I just blurt this out. My wife and I pray for people, and they get healed when we they get healed of their sicknesses, which was a lie. I mean, it wasn't really happening. <laughs> or a mighty faith declaration, depending on your theology. Okay, so we'll just go with the mighty faith declaration. I just blurt it out, you know, and, uh, and he says, as long as I've got this cane, I'll be okay. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a long day. And so I said, here's what's going to happen. I mean, this just came out of my mouth with no evidence. I just said, I'm going to pray for you. Your legs are going to get healed. And that's, oh, he told me he was an alcoholic. And he said, that's going to, I'm going to, that's going to give you the faith to overcome the alcohol. And so uh, we, I drive him home. And so we're sitting in like, the front of his house. And uh, I said, can we pray? And he says, as long as I've got this. Oh, my gosh. So I said, let's pray. So he pulls out his hand. And I'm like, all right, I guess we're doing like the handhold thing. And we're sitting in the car. I'm like, all right, in the name of Jesus, legs be healed. I said, get out. And so he gets out of the, gets out of the car. I'm just telling you how it happened. Okay, it's not always like this. But the times it is, you need to know what it looks like. Okay, I mean, most of, I'll be honest, most of the time I pray, and I'm half surprised when it works. And don't act like you're any different. <laughs> oh, Jim, you're so low level. Oh, you, you should step into my world, you know, where the demons tremble. It's like, man, we're, we're all doing our best. Our part is to do the possible. His part is to do the impossible. So I do my part in the name of Jesus, but I had this faith on me. I knew something was going to happen, whereas I had a track record that would not line up with that. Like we're maybe seeing like a headache go away after like a few days, you know, like those kind of <laughs> testimonies that we would still celebrate, but it's like, I don't know. Maybe they just needed to drink more water and take a nap, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so we just weren't seeing much good stuff at all. And so I said, get out of the car. And he goes, just what happens. He says, uh, he goes, inch, inch. And all of a sudden... His spine straightens up. He's, he's about in his mid-60s, and he holds up this cane, and he starts walking normal. 
And he comes back to the car, and he's crying, and he says, I don't think I'm going to need this cane anymore. I said, I don't think you are either. Hold on, it's about to get good. And um, he starts sprinting up and down the sidewalk. He's waving the cane above his head, yelling, I can walk. And he's crying, I'm crying, and I'm like, it's on like a bomb. Like, it is. I'm like, okay, I want to see more of that. That's the gift of faith, okay, where you just, you just know. Like, get out of the car and walk. Um, there's times you can try to fake it and it doesn't work, and you know you didn't have the gift of faith. You're just we're doing, giving it your best. And so we're looking at faith. And I gave a couple pictures here because I want you to see faith is always a matter of heart. What does it say? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and then you'll be saved, right? It's a belief that happens in the heart. A lot of us are trying to confess with our mouth. We've got our faith confessions. I'm making my confessions over my seed. I'm making my confessions over this stuff. Um, man, maybe other people have great revelation on that. I just don't. I just don't see people holding up money and, and making confessions over it. I just, in the Bible. So maybe other people, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying I don't have revelation on that. I don't see people making all these confessions to try to trick their minds into believing. It's a surrendering of the heart. Are we okay? Yeah. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're doing that and it's helping you focus your mind on Jesus and promises, do that. I'm all for declarations. I'm all for whatever is going to put my mind on truth. But it's not putting my mind on truth that's going to help. It's when my heart surrenders to the truth that my mind is on. So I gave an example. Imagine that you were in the, uh, the wedding that Jesus was at in John chapter 2. They run out of wine. It's embarrassing in that culture. And Jesus' mom says, Jesus, go do this. And he says, woman, my time has not yet come. Remember, that's my favorite phrase my wife asked me to do yard work. Woman, my time has not yet come. And so you can imagine, there's, there's uh, six pots, and the servants, they go, they get these huge pots filled with 50 gallons of water. I mean, 50 gallons, that's a, that's a lot of water, 30 to 50 gallons. I mean, that's, that's some wine. They are about to partay, okay? And so um, can you imagine being the servant, and you are believing in miracles? You hear what Jesus' mother is asking. You are believing and believing and believing. Guess what? Nothing is going to happen until Jesus came into the situation and created the miracle. Like so many of us, okay, so here's what I want you to get. So many of us are believing in healing, and we're believing in healing and believing in healing. We need to pursue the healer and be healed and not believe in healing. I want you to see the difference there. Nothing happened until the miracle worker came in the room and changed the water into wine. All of their believing did nothing. We're trying to do these mental gymnastics and believe in healing and get rid of all the bad stuff. And we'll do some messages where we help you get rid of some of the bad stuff. We'll do some of that because, listen, our mind needs to be able to focus on Jesus clear enough so that we can have that heart surrender. I get that, but faith is not a matter of the mind. It's a surrender of the heart saying, like, I, I, I don't have this thing figured out. I, I'm, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm completely dependent on the Father. I, I, the picture of a flower opening to the sun. You know, it, it was a response. And so... When, G, when we see Jesus clearly, faith is a natural response. There's no striving in the flower. You don't hear it grunting and straining. Like, what's that noise out there? Oh, it's the flowers. Ah! Like, there's no, it's a natural response. As the sun comes into the darkness every morning, it, it dissipates the light. It's just, it's the natural response. And so as we fix our eyes on Jesus, and it's our consciousness of him that brings faith. It's not, you can't try to have faith. Have anyone in here ever tried to have faith? Isn't that like the longest day in the world? It's just like I'm trying, I'm believing, and I'm, I'm distorting my face, and I'm quoting the scriptures, and I'm exhausted, but I'm, I'm going to show God I'm serious. And it's just like, no, 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 no. You don't see that in the Bible. You see people, they came to Jesus, boom. Came to Jesus, boom. And so it's like, guys, we, we've got to get back to the simplicity of how it happened in the Bible. So 
New Testament faith comes from looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12.2. I love how um, the Passion Translation puts it. We look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us, and who leads us forward in faith's perfection. We look away from the natural realm. In other words, I'm not looking at the size of the tumor. I'm not looking at the crookedness of the limb. I'm not looking at the doctor's report. I've had so many people that they come to me for prayer, and they're trying to impress me with the devil's symptoms. Oh, the doctor said this, and they said I've only got this. I don't know how else to describe it to you. I'm intentionally hardening my heart to that realm. Like, I'm hearing the words, but I'm hard, I don't know how else to describe it, and I'm hardening my heart to it. My face becomes like flint. And I'm not trying to be cold, but sometimes I'll say, stop right there. What's your worst symptom? Let's go after that. It's kind of like if there's a bunch of bullies, you take out the biggest one, the rest will run. Let's just let's go after that worst symptom. You guys get the picture there? If you're trying to get prayer from somebody, do not try to impress them with the doctor's report. Do not discourage the person who's about to pray for you. Some of the best miracles I've seen have been when I was clueless to what was happening. I remember at this restaurant, and I just had like an unusual streak of just seeing a bunch of shoulders healed. So I don't know, we were with like 15, 20 pastors at uh, Golden Corral. And so... Um, <laughs> We're there, and, uh, or maybe it was Ponderosa. I don't know one of those things. And so I'm just like, man, I've just been seeing, like, shoulders. Someone just got in a shoulder uh, car accident, and I prayed for them over the phone, and, like, they got their movement. They had, like, the crunchy joints. I felt like sand in there. And I just shared a couple testimonies. I'm like, well, who needs, like, shoulder uh, healing? And uh, a bunch of them raised their hands. I was like, oh, all right, let's pray. So um, anyway, so I, I pray for this one uh, lady, and uh, Angie, and she... Uh, and I, I, so right before I prayed for her, this was unusual for me because during this time, I kind of had a formula for healing. You know, it was like, take authority, you know, like, I like to walk around at like a level six out of 10 angry at the devil so I could ramp it up to a 10 real quick. That was just kind of my model right then. And so I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, you know. And so the, the first two people I prayed for, it didn't work. And then I'm like, God, what's going on? And he showed me a different way to pray. And I was like, this could be a whole new world, like following the Holy Spirit and healing and not just using my authority formula. And so, again, I, here, our, here's how we do it at Zion. We check in with the Lord, and if he shows us something, do that. If he doesn't show you anything, lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover. You still have authority if the anointing isn't showing you to do anything, but we still check in with him. It's always God's will to heal, but now it's like, how do you want to do this? Okay? And so uh, I'm getting ready to pray for her, and I see in my mind's eye, you know, and I didn't see like a vision, but just kind of like through my mind, I saw myself drawing three stripes on her shoulders. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I feel like God's teaching me something. So I was like, hey, can I try something different? She's like, uh, I guess so. So I went behind her shoulders, and I went, like, in the back here. I went, one, two, three. I said, check it out. And she's like, is that it? I'm like, I don't know, you know. And uh, she raises her hand, and tears start bursting down her, her face. Her husband's like, they're rejoicing. I'm like, what is going on here? Turned out she had been thrown off of a horse 25 years ago. She had shattered her uh, shoulder so bad, they removed three muscles from her shoulder. She physically did not have the muscles to be able to raise her hand. Uh, I am so glad I did not know that. <laughs> I just, she had shoulder pain. Oh, I, got, I got a little bit of faith for that. Creative, creative miracle at Golden Corral? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I do not have faith for that. But because I wasn't discouraged with that report... Okay, I was able to keep my eyes on Jesus. All the good stuff comes from focusing on him. It's not from our awesome track record. Your track record, it means very little when that person's standing one-on-one. And there's still nothing you can do. 
your track record does not help get that person healed. It's the healer. It's focusing on the healer, not trying to do these mental gymnastics and work ourselves up into faith because we believe in healing. Believing in healing is a good start, but pursuing the healer and seeing the goodness of Jesus and looking away from the natural realm and as we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. Our biggest hindrances to healing are mindsets, not demons. prophet Isaiah, he gives this great picture of a sheep and their shepherd. The number one imagery of God in the Old Testament is shepherd. You know, he's fortress, he's rock, but the one that's used most frequently is, uh, is shepherd. Isaiah 53, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, beginning in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. What I want you to see here is the focus is on a person, not on a doctrine. It's on he himself bore our griefs. It's about this person, Jesus, who did this for us. It's not this doctrine of healing. I want you to, guys, this is a huge shift, okay? Because I, I feel like so many times we're, we're taught healing rather than pursuing the person of Jesus. Listen, any doctrine relates to a person. There's a grace message in the church, which is a, which is a beautiful thing, but it can have us focus on the doctrine. I'm focused on the finished works of Christ. So begin to think about the finished works of Christ and not uh, recognize the works point to a person. I'm putting my trust in Jesus, not in this doctrine of the finished works. We talk about redemption. We talk about grace. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. That doctrine simply points us to the wonders of a person. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I want you to see that a person did this for us. So we, He carried it so you don't have to. There's a person that when we see him, we see his works. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When the Bible talks about healing, it talks about Jesus carrying it for us. I love that. Surely he has borne our griefs. By his stripes we were healed. 1 Peter 2.24, it's speaking of a spiritual healing. We're looking back to this passage. This passage I just read in Isaiah is a picture of what the Messiah would do when he came. He would carry it all. He would take it upon himself. He was like the lightning rod. You guys have to understand. I, I read some secular scholars, and they say things like, oh, why would I want to serve a God that like, tortured his son? You guys have to understand. what It said, he who knew no sin became sin. It wasn't God torturing his son. He was taking out his wrath upon sin. His son literally became sin. How did it happen? I don't know. There's lots of stuff in the spirit realm that we're given pictures of that I just don't fully understand. But you have to understand, this isn't a dad torturing his son. This is a father who uh, you know, has overcome every single obstacle to get to the ones that he loves the most. And, uh, and, and he, he is the one who is coming and paying the price so that we don't have to. And so sin, sin is a mess, man. It will, it will wreck your life. Okay, And it, there had to be a price that was paid for, and it was, and it was paid in full is the good news. What I want you to see here is the price that Jesus paid on the cross was enough for the Father. Let me ask you, is it enough for you? Or do you feel like you need to do something else? And, you know, I'm not quite ready to get healed yet because what you've done, you've just introduced a doubt that Jesus never introduced. It's religion. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, so Peter was married. What does that look like? I don't know. I just wanted to say it. It's weird. 
If you had a mother-in-law, I was married, right? Yeah, just, just a little Jewish arithmetic there. You put it together, and it's... Uh, in uh, Matthew, in, uh, in, um, Matthew quotes this passage from Isaiah. This was, this speaking of healing, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our uh, diseases. Healing is not a doctor, and it's a person who carried it so we don't have to. So any parent in here, I'm sure you've had this happen, where your, your kid is sick, and there's like nothing you can do. It's desperate, they're screaming, they're crying, there's a fever, uh, there's just, you know, whatever it is. And you've had this thought. I would rather have this sickness than have my child have this sickness. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You've had, this, you've had this thought come in your mind, okay? Listen, I want you to know there is a father who thought the same thing. That compassion that, that any mother or father is feeling, take that and intensify it to the nth degree. He saw that. He, he was the one who was moved with compassion, not just this cold God showing off miracles. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. He was, he was moved with compassion. He sees people, and he's like, no. He's the one, he carried these things so you don't have to. I want you to see the compassion of God in this thing. He himself bore our sickness. We all want healing, but the focus is on the person, not on the work. Okay, this is about to get good here. When you have the person, you have the value of their work. Okay, get this. Let's say um, you went to medical school, and uh, you know, so you got your undergraduate degree, all your sciences, organic chemistry, biochemistry, all that good stuff. You get into uh, medical school, you've got your two years of medical school, and then you've got your internships, and then you've got your residencies, and then you've got your specialties and your certifications and your licensing. And so, okay, so you, you've got all that stuff. How are you able to access what this doctor now has? You come to the person. Because when you come to the person, you receive everything that they are. You receive all the work that they, all those hundreds and thousands of hours that they put in and training and specializing and all this stuff. The way you access it is by coming to a person. When you come to a person, they carry all the benefits of the work. I want you to see the Holy Spirit emphasizes the person of Jesus and not the work. Looking unto Jesus. I know some of you that, I want you to see this is subtle, but big doors swing on small hinges. It's not about believing in healing and doing the doctrines and quoting the scriptures. It's about surrendering to a person and his goodness and his heart for you. And the Bible says that's what faith looks like. Guys, the people who came to Jesus, they had issues, and he healed them all. There's never an example where he's like, ooh, sorry, too many issues. Why don't you go fast for a little bit? Oh, you know what? Good news for you. The blood moon and the Shemitah are going to line up, and there's going to be this Jewish holiday, and they're going to release some extra special favor. Every person who came to him was, got everything that they came for and more. People with little faith, great faith. I mean, it didn't seem like Lazarus had a lot of faith. I'm not sure how that whole thing was. but It wasn't the amount of faith. The guys, the person with little faith got the same answer as the person with great faith. It was the object of the faith that made the thing awesome, not the amount of faith that they had. The amount of faith made Jesus respond, wow, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. But the person with little faith and great faith, they got the same answer. One mustard seed of faith will outweigh one ton of will and determination. I guess it goes like this, sorry. It's a little mustard seed. Picture a poppy seed. It's like small and insignificant. 
I remember uh, when I, I think it might have been Evan. I don't remember which one of the boys it was. But I was in the rocking chair. Remember those rocking chairs that were like the gliders? I don't know if they still have those because my kids are older. Those are the greatest things in the world. Like, I'm not sure what physicists designed that thing. But, uh, you know, instead of like, it's a lot of effort to do the rocker. You know, like, like it's nonstop. But the glider, it's like you just push in. It's awesome. So I'm in the glider. I got one of the kids. And they got a fever. And their breathing's tough. And, and so, you know, we tried everything. You know, I, I don't even know what all we tried. I just know we were desperate. You know, and uh, it was my shift. How many husbands know what I'm talking about when your wife says it's your shift? And my wife, she's not here, so I can talk about her. She said, um, I've got them all day, so you get them at night. I was like, uh, yeah, so somehow that logic reigned for years in our, in our household. <laughs> so I'm, I'm on night shift, which is also known as my shift. And uh, I'm in the glider, and I'm rocking the kid. Uh, I, think, I think it was Evan. And I'm doing everything I can to get him healed. I'm binding, I'm loosening, I pulled some stuff down, I think I pushed some stuff up. I'm not even sure what was happening. <laughs> I'm pleading, I'm begging, I'm quoting scriptures, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, and he's screaming. He's crying, and I'm realizing there is nothing I can do. And uh, I just began to sing. I don't remember what I was singing, and I know it wasn't the power of my voice, but um, I'm singing over him, and what happened was something interesting, is I forgot about trying to get this kid healed, and I got lost in the wonder and the goodness of Jesus. My eyes got on him, and I, like, I wasn't even trying to get him healed. Yeah, I, I mean, I was at first, but then I, I got into true worship, where I'm just kind of lost in him, and I forgot about time, and when I, uh, when I you know, you know, was done, I came back to it. His fever was broken. His breathing was fine. Okay, what happened in that? Yay, God. Yeah, yeah this isn't like, yeah. This is a yay, God moment. Again, because there is nothing you and I can do. I said this last week. I don't have faith for your healing. You ain't got faith for your healing. The only person who has faith for your healing is Jesus. And when we look at him, he imparts that faith. Because there is a gift of faith, but all faith is a gift. And it comes from fixing our eyes on a person. Because when we come to the person, we get all of his work. It's about enlarging our consciousness of who he is. That's when we pray that prayer Holy Spirit, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Everything in the Bible is locked up in this realm called mystery. You can understand some facts with your head, but you all know what it's like when you're reading that verse and the Holy Spirit goes, and it's like, oh, I get it. Well, you, you try to tell your friend, they're like, yeah, yeah, and you're like, no, like, I really get it. Like, it's really happened. Like, you know what happened? Uh, the picture of reveal is, uh, so like, this is, the, this is the mystery, and there's like a curtain over it. You can't, you can't hunt it down and figure it out from a commentary and from Greek word study. Like, you can't hunt down revelation. It's, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit when he reveals it, and you go, oh, now I see. Oh, it's way easier than I thought. Okay? That's why we're, we're completely dependent on him when we read the Bible. I always pray, Holy Spirit, you wrote this thing. Help me. I always pray. On my best days, I do. Holy Spirit, you wrote this thing. I need you to show me what it means. I can, I can understand the words and the concepts, but they don't actually affect my life. Okay, it just stays locked up in my head. So uh, let's, I'm going to c- conclude with this picture here. Psalm 105:37. I want you to see there's a place in God where not only is there supernatural healing, but there's a sustained uh, divine health. We have to see. We cannot let sinful, unbelieving Israel be the only generation that walked in divine health. Listen to Psalm 105, 37. I'll read it first from the New King James. He brought them out with silver and gold, 
This is, uh, this is the Israelites who were in slavery, who were brought out of uh, Egypt into, into the wilderness and then into the promised land. He brought them out with silver and gold. Get this. And there was none feeble among his tribes. We're going to unpack this. Let me read it from the Passion Translation. At last, God freed all the Hebrews from their slavery and sent them away laden with silver and gold of Egypt. And not even one was feeble on their way out. Okay, I want you to get this picture. Uh, the, the verse right before it talks about God striking down the firstborn of the Egyptians. And so this is clearly talking about Passover night. So I want you to get this picture. Um, scholars estimate between 2 and 3 million people in Egypt. Guys, these were not CrossFit athletes who had proper nutrition and training and recovery regimens and supplements and tempur mattresses to sleep on. These were slaves who had an improper diet and they lived under intensely stressful conditions. Um, scientists say that stress is the silent killer. Some even say that 80% of your health is related to your emotional state. If you're worried and upset all the time, that's just, that's just toxic to your body. Okay? So these are 2 to 3 million people who did not have enough sleep. Who, um, they were not exercising. They were in slavery. Listen to how Exodus 1.14 describes it. I'm going to read it from a couple different translations. They, uh, the Egyptians made their lives bitter with hard service. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Another translation says hard bondage. Another one says they served with harshness. Another one says they were crushing them with slave labor. They made them miserable with hard labor, making bricks and mortar and back-breaking work in the fields. They piled on the work, crushing them under the cruel workload. These are guys who are bent over all day in the Egyptian hot sun, making bricks out of straw and clay, okay, and carrying heavy loads. I want you to get this picture. You know if you overexercise, you destroy your body. These people were not overexercising. They were in slave labor from the time they were born all the way through, okay? And what kind of diet do you think they had? Do you think the Egyptians were, like, giving them, like, a well-balanced diet, making sure the nutritionists came and make sure? No. They, like, they got leftovers. They got what slaves got, okay? And I want you to see what happened. The next day, none, of the, none feeble was among them. So here's my question. How did this happen? I want you to remember the context of this. What happened the night before none was feeble among them? What happened the night before? The Passover. This was a time where they, uh, they took the blood of a lamb. Remember, everything in the Old Testament somehow points to Jesus. 1 Corinthians um, 10, I believe it says, it says, all these things were written for our example, and they're a sign for those upon whom the, uh, the end of the ages have come. Okay, these things are written for our instructions. So I want you to get this picture. Here they are putting blood over the doorpost. And they said they closed the doors, and they went in, and they were not to come out because the Passover angel was, was going over there. And so what, what were they doing on the inside of that house? They were feasting on the lamb. And the next day, these broken-down slaves with bad nutrition and overworked and bad backs, as they feasted on the lamb, none among them was feeble. And they were able to be sustained Listen, guys, if you've got cancer, if you've got arthritis, if you've got breathing problems, you can, Feeble speaks about strength of walking. You're able to walk strength with, for 40 years in the desert, okay? Like, all those things were cured of them as they feasted on the lamb. Colossians 1.17, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So they partook of the roasted lamb that night before. The blood was put on the doorpost and on the lintel, and it was in the shape of a cross as they put it over their household. They were eating the flesh of the lamb. Here's the new covenant language for that. They were discerning the body of Jesus. 
What does it say we're to do in the, uh, during when we're taking the Lord's Supper, when we're remembering the sacrifice of the Lamb? It says we are to discern the body. What were they doing in there? They were discerning the body. They were feasting on the Lamb. They may not have even known totally what they were doing, but it was a prophetic sign of what would happen. As, as, we, as, as we have the blood of the doorpost over our lives, and as we feast on the Lamb, there was a supernatural healing that took place and a supernatural divine health that made none feeble among them. Guys, I'm not talking about, they weren't studying a doctrine of healing. They were feasting on a person. Spiritually, they didn't totally understand it, but, I, but guys, get it. This is a picture of what happens to us under the new covenant. None feeble among them. I love Isaiah 33, 24. No one in Zion will say, I am sick. For the Lord has forgiven their iniquity. You're like, Jim, that's not talking about your church. Uh, you can't prove that to me. Talk to the hand. I ain't listening. I'm just going to tell one more story, and uh, we're going to close it out here. Are you guys getting the picture here? Feasting on the lamb? Like, I can't say it as good as I feel it in my heart. I got, I'm, I'm doing that this morning. I, we should have had communion, but that one came this morning, so I, I couldn't do that to our staff. And so uh, we're coming to a person who's so full of compassion and he's the one who carried this stuff so we don't have to. We're coming to a person. We're not trying to believe doctrine. We're coming to the sweet Jesus. And so I'm just going to tell one more story. It's, it's, it's kind of a wild one. But I want you to see, because here's what's happened. I w- I've been reading in Mark lately. It's kind of like the Indiana Jones of the Gospels. I'm not sure if you read it. It's like action immediately, immediately. This is happening. It's like, it's just like nonstop action. And so I've been reading in Mark. And I'm coming into stories like Jesus is standing there with a man full of leprosy. And he touches him, and all of his leprosy instantly disappears. And I've got to not let myself read that as a story. Oh, nice story. Next, I'm putting myself in that position because Jesus was not showing us what he could do. He's showing us what we could do. Jesus was not God showing off. He was a man fully surrendered to God and the power of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what's now possible. So I can't look at Jesus and and, and look at those things and just read them religiously. So... I'm realizing I'm reading these stories religiously because I knew if I had a leper standing in front of me that morning when I was reading it, I'd have been like, oh, dang. <laughs> what are we going to do here? And so I'm realizing, God, like, you, need to, you need to increase my consciousness of you. Like I am in desperate need of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you one where it worked well. Can I tell you one of those? And we'll, cl- and we'll close and we're going to go after some healing here. So some of you guys know this story. I don't think I've told this story in like five years, uh, at least on a Sunday. And so, I don't know, I don't know, it was like 2012, I guess that's six years ago, maybe it was 11, I don't remember. But there was a move of God that happened on this college campus in Grove City, Pennsylvania. It was Grove City College, and there was, like, there was some stuff happening. And in their doctrine, they believed that the gifts of the Spirit had stopped. And so, but now they're happening. And so they kind of got this, this tension that's going on. And so I get this call, and they say, will you come and debate Professor so-and-so over the gifts of the Spirit? I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And so I'm like, fine. And then, uh, and so then they call back and they're like, well, hey, we're going to make it a presentation. And I said, listen, I'll come if I can go second and if I can demonstrate the power of God. And I'm like, what just came out of my mouth? Like, <laughs> like, like it sounded great on the phone, but like, I'm going to have to back this up. Now, are you kidding me? So we get down there and uh, they were expecting like 20 or 30 people and like the whole campus shows up. So they're breaking fire cover in the biggest auditorium. So picture stage with like the seating that goes way up. And so people are in the aisles. And they're all there to see me get filleted alive. And I'm, uh, I'm afraid it's going to happen. 
So I listened to the professor's talk. He had uh, pr produced 18 books. He was a professor of uh, Greek New Testament and exegesis. Uh, he was, uh, so I, I'm like, I'm going to get my butt kicked if I try to go parsing verbs with this guy, you know. And so, so I'm like, oh, God, you know, just whatever. And so I get down there, and he goes first. And so his talk was the exact same one I listened to. So I was like, okay, I guess you got a couple points here. And so I was like, you know, da-da-da-da. And no one there is impressed with words. And so yeah, I go, and so I just start talking about how Jesus was the most normal Christian who ever lived. Jesus did miracles. He called us to do it. They're not moved. And so I start telling some of our wild stories of people who were extremely short for their age at Target. Uh, some of our people praying for him. The person's leg grew, other leg grew, seven to eight inches taller, gets out of the wheelchair, no more cerebral palsy. So I start telling this, and they're looking at me like, really? And so I just had this boldness come on me. So I start rebuking them. I'm just like, you know, you're not noble Berean, you're a bunch of negative brethren. I'm like, you know, the Bible says the noble Berean eagerly searched the scriptures to see if what they said was true. And if what I'm saying is true, it would be good news. And I said, you, I said this, uh, these are stories right out of the very Bible that your doctrines claim to support. I'm like saying those like, I'm like, OMG. <laughs> like, I'm not making friends. And right in the middle of the debate, uh, the professor says, I wish I would have known you when my child was dying of cancer. It was this precious moment where his heart turned, and I said, sir, we're not at 100%. And I said, we've had losses, too. It was this really neat thing of we, we got to humble ourselves and say, listen, we're still learning this thing, but we've seen some good stuff. And he's like, hey, maybe we don't know it all. It was, it was a beautiful moment. And so the, they had a board meeting on the campus, and they said, no demonstrations of power on campus, which I'm like, I'm just glad they thought something was going to happen. Like, I'm, you know, like, what, what does that even mean? So they make us go to this coffee shop, and I say there was 50 people. I say there was 100 people in there. My wife says 50. So let's just say 200 people in the room. <laughs> And so uh, we're in this coffee shop, and it is, how many of you guys were there for this? Was there anyone in the room who was there for this debate? I know Josh Lawrence was there. I don't see any hands. No one was there. Wow, new crowd. And so, uh, so anyway, so we're, um, we're down there. We're in this, so we're in this upper room in this coffee shop, and it is hot. Like, girls have beads of sweat. Like, not like the cute glistening. Like, whoa, whoa, mama. You know, like, like sweating. It's hot up there. I remember I had like beads of sweat on my forearms, and I'm like, I'm like, if I sweat anymore, I think I could grow rice. It was like that kind of sweat. <laughs> and so I'm, uh, so up there, it's just roasting, and you know, I've just said all these bold things about God, and uh, and so I'm like, man, they're waiting for me to do a magic trick. I'm like, I'm like, God, I don't have anything. And so I'm like, hey, let's just turn our attention towards the Lord. And I'm consciously aware that there's nothing I can do in this room, and I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. All of a sudden, the power of God hits one girl out of 200. And um, she starts screaming, and uh, she had carpal tunnels. And so she takes off her braces. She gets all of her movement back, and uh, all of her uh, pain leaves. And so um, she's like, my wrists are on fire. And so we said, um, who wants what she's got? All these hands of people who have never experienced the power of God. They, now they see one person getting like, I want that. And so uh, she starts laying hands on them, and people are getting what we call whacked. And so they're getting a touch from the Holy Spirit that was visible, that they could feel. It wasn't just in their mind. They were actually feeling God come on them. So it was a beautiful thing. And then this girl comes up to me, and she says, um, I've got a glass eyeball, and I want a new eyeball. <laughs> so uh, here's what I did. I hardened my heart to that report because I knew there was nothing I could do for the carpal tunnels. There's nothing I could do for the glass eyeball. And so I just, uh, I'm listening to this thing, and so... I jokingly said, is that it? And she's like, yeah, that's it. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, God, there's nothing I can do for a backache. There's nothing I can do for this eyeball. And I put my eyes on a person. So we start praying, and her eyeball starts violently shaking in her eye socket. 
And so on the outside, I'm like, well, hey, are you noticing anything on the inside? I'm like, they're either going to burn me as a witch or Jesus is going to be glorified. Like, this is going to be me. But on the outside, hey, are you noticing anything? <laughs> so violently, she said, yeah, yes. So I feel pressure on my eyeball. And I said, is, is like the glass eye attached to anything? No. I'm like, okay, well, something's happening. If it's moving like that, it's not attached. So a couple other people come and we're praying. Uh, long story short, she says, I got all this pressure in my eye. Her glass eye pops out into her hand. She opens up her eyelid. She's got a brand new eyeball in front of all those people. Gang, our part is to do the possible. That means fixing our eyes on Jesus, enjoying him, hardening our heart to what we see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. Gang, there was everything religious trying to jump on me and get me into striving mode and performing mode. And what if I have not found that to be helpful. What if it doesn't work? What if I'm disappointed? Guys, then get prayer again. And get prayer again. My heroes in our church are the people here who you've received prayer and you haven't gotten everything that you've uh, prayed for and you're coming back fresh. I just want to say, we need those examples of people who persevere. You will get your breakthrough. Okay, we're growing in this thing. Jesus is raising our consciousness. And I'll be honest, I feel like some of the miracles we saw five years ago were better than what we're seeing now. But I've had promises from the Lord that he wants to do an explosion of healing here at Zion. And so I don't know what that looks like. I know that trying real hard isn't going to be helpful. But I know that seeing clearly and uh, feasting on that lamb with the blood, of the door, blood on the doorposts over our life, enjoying him, that is going to be the only thing that's helpful. And so I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and uh, we're going to uh, have a couple people, our ministry team, come up. We're going to give words of knowledge. We're going to go after healing. And we're going to get you guys out of here. And so you guys good? All right. So uh, Dave, who, David, who's coming up here? Who we got? A couple of people? All right. All right. There, there's the mic. Thank you. So here's what a word of knowledge is. is the, uh, the 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to encourage the body. And one of them, the way that we read a word of knowledge is God will highlight his sickness that he wants to heal. If your sickness is not called out, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to heal it. He's just trying to increase faith in them. So we're going to pray for these, uh, these uh, words that are called out, and then we'll make sure everyone gets prayer. And you're like, well, Jim, I got prayer last week. Nothing happened. Listen, guys, um, don't stop believing after the prayer ranks. Week after week, come back fresh. Guys, it's going to happen. We're growing in this thing. So don't miss the growth. Don't get left behind in this thing by getting discouraged. Okay? And so... Here's what I want you to ask Jesus for. Let's just, Holy Spirit, give us the gift of expectation. God, where we're believing that, when, that, that you already said yes, and when our faith touches the Son of God, healing is a normal reaction. So Lord, I take off all the pressure, and Lord, we just look at Jesus. All right, so who's going first? Let's go for it. So I um, got pain in the head, but particularly like right along the back part of the head. Okay, pain in the back of the head. So uh, point to it again. So right in the, the back right, one. Right through here on the base. Base of the skull. So is that anybody here? Pain in the, okay, thank you. A couple of people. Awesome. I mean, I mean awesome that Jesus is highlighting it. <laughs> yeah. Not like, congratulations, you're in pain. Not like that. So, all right. Yeah. Anyone that's had a surgery where it didn't recover fully, whether you didn't have range of motion anymore or there's um, numbness from scarring and then specifically with that um, I felt like in my leg like if you maybe had a vessel removed to repair something in your heart um, that words for you okay so anyone uh, surgery didn't repair or the okay thank you 
So I had um, injury with a groin. You pulled it, you've got a torn muscle, um, either leg, God wasn't specific, but he did say the groin. And then he also gave me gut. So digest- Say the last one again. Gut. Gut, okay. Yeah, so digestive issues. Okay, is that anybody in here? One of those two things, the, the groin area or the gut? Okay, thank you, Kristen, thank you. So I also um, got two things. One is the right foot, like in the arch area, and it's like the tendon that comes down there is real sore in the right foot or right foot pain. The other one was that there's someone that has a lot of physical things going on and you've been to the doctor and you've, you've seek medical attention, you've had the test ran and that kind of thing and they can't figure out what's wrong and so God wants to heal you today. Okay, the arch or the, or the other one that she said, okay, thank you. Uh, I, as usual, the Lord's kind of giving me something different again. Last week, I was talking about broken heart. And uh, this morning, I was seeking the Lord early this morning. And when I was seeking the Lord, he brought me the uh, Normandy building. And he said, when they signed, the three of them was in a sign with the bank, when, when Jim signed that paper, it was like conceiving a baby. It was the beginning of a change. And that there's a, and with that, he showed me the hearts of the people. And there's people in here, some that has, just feels like they're dry, they're, they're just kind of broken right now. And God's saying that he wants to pour into you and your atmosphere change. And the other thing I got was the, the um, thigh, and the thigh and up to your hip pain. All right, either one of those, just kind of the dryness or the thigh? Okay, thank you. Um, I got hearing issue, so I don't know if it, and I heard work-related, so if someone has that, and also I got heart, and uh, with the heart, I heard that there's uh, people in here who've been either told to take a statin drug, and God said he's got a new script for you. Okay, anyone in here?